0: Well, amen to that, and hopefully um, that's actually the text we're going to be studying this morning is what they've just sung, so thank you folks for that song. So you can turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 6, that's actually um, where that song comes from, it's a blessing in the book of Numbers, so the fourth book from the beginning of the Bible. And you can find our text for this morning on page 111 if you're using the Pew Bible in front of you. So it's number 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 22 to 27. So as you're turning there, I want you to think um, with me about something. This is a pretty personal question. Um, need to be honest with yourself on this one and think through what is really going on in your heart in this regard. So when you look up into the face of God, what do you see? Maybe you don't really ever think about it that way, but at least as a child, maybe, you could Track with me this way. As a child, you looked up into the face of your father, and it was really important to you what you saw, at least it was for a while, even if what you saw was not what you wanted to see, okay? Or maybe you didn't have a father, and there were others whose face or faces became really important to you. So again, maybe you don't think often about looking up into the face of God, even though the Bible talks a lot about the face of God. Um, But the face reflects the disposition. So what is God's disposition toward you as you look up into his face? And I mean God's face toward you, like individually, each of you. So as you look up, what do you see? Do you see disappointment? Feel like you never quite measure up? Maybe indifference? You kind of look around at your life and you just wonder does he even care? Does he even know what's going on? Anger? Maybe you had a really angry father? What did I do to deserve this? He must be really ticked off at me. Something I did. I flipped some switch. So here's here's another question, kind of follow-up. And maybe we need the help of this text to even understand what we're doing. But are you projecting or are you believing when you look up at the face of God? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you tend to read... The face of God bottom up, like as in from your failures, your successes, your circumstances, your sufferings, your blessings. So hey, I failed and things aren't going well. He must be really ticked off. Or, ooh, I've succeeded. Or, oh, there's a a parking spot. It just opened up for me. God must be happy with me. I'm healthy. God must be happy with me. I'm sick. God must be mad at me. How do you read the face of God? From the bottom up Or if God has spoken in his word, top down, believing his words. So do you project what you think God is, how he's disposed toward you from your circumstances? Or do you take what he said and believe that about his disposition toward you? Do you even know what to believe about how he is disposed toward you? Well, if any of those things are important to you, and I hope that they are, they're more important than you realize. If, if it doesn't kind of feel like it connects with your life, keep tracking because this is, this is hugely important. And I hope that you see as we go along. But this blessing in number six is really sweet, powerful blessing. Um, there's a lot of grace and truth for, here, for us here this morning. So let's read this text together. I'm going to pray briefly and then we'll dive in. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would shine the light of your face on us this morning as we study this word about you shining the light of your face on your people. I pray that you would warm our hearts with your love, that our hearts would be filled with your love love as a result of hearing what you say here. I pray, Lord, that the anxiety and the fear that often fills our hearts would be cast out by the light of your face dispelling the darkness. I pray that the security and the confidence and the peace that comes from knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I pray that that peace and confidence would reign in our hearts and minds, that it wouldn't be our fears and anxieties that reign and rule. I pray, Lord, that the light of your face would shine on us and wither the roots of pride and idolatry shine radiantly on us. The the, the ice of indifference, the coldness of cynicism, I pray that the light of your face would melt it this morning. I pray that you would open our eyes to see your glory, to see your face, to see your glory revealed ultimately in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need your Spirit's help to do that. So send your Spirit to do the work of opening clogged up, stuffed up ears even when we tend to stick our fingers in our ears to you rather than listening to you. Open our eyes where we may be just living like earthworms kind of just head down digging around. Raise our gaze to see the light of your face. Satisfy us this morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice as your people and be glad in you. And we pray these things only in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus who made it possible to call you, Father, and to ask you for these things. Amen. Okay. So, there's an outline in your bulletin. might be helpful as we walk through this passage, um, if that's helpful to follow along. So, the first thing is, numbers might not be super familiar territory for for, uh, a lot of us. So, where in the world are we in the story? If we just need to locate ourselves on the map of God's big story. In the Bible, it's one story, ultimately one ultimate author. And there's a unity to it, but oftentimes it's easy to get lost um, among certain trees, especially in the Old Testament. So where are we located in the big story? Here in the book of Numbers, that's the English title, by the way, which kind of comes from the the Greek translation of of the Old Testament. And it's based on the census information that's in this book. So there's lots of numbers in Numbers. Okay, so it's appropriate in that sense. But the Hebrew title is worth noting. Old Testament originally written in Hebrew, obviously. Um, It actually is the term translated in the wilderness. It's one word, but right off the bat, at the beginning of Numbers, Numbers chapter 1, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness. That's the title in the Hebrew Bible. And that's actually, that kind of begins to tell us where we are in the big story of God. So God had redeemed his people from slavery in Egypt with this mighty hand using Moses, the mediator, the leader of his people to bring them out of Egypt of slavery in Egypt, and now they're in the wilderness. They were led to Mount Sinai, right? They, were re- they received the law. Now they're about to leave Mount Sinai and go on to Canaan, which is the promised land, right? So Numbers 1 to 10 are all about Israel preparing to walk through the wilderness and enter into the promised land. So they're in the wilderness. There's these censuses in the first few chapters, and then there's this cleansing in the camp. They're getting ready to go. Okay, there's talk of the tabernacle and the Levites and the Passover and so forth. And then chapters 10 to 12 and beyond, the march begins. The camp kind of is broken and they set out. And they're led by pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night, right? The spies in chapter 11 are sent out to check out the, the promised land. And they come back and on and on through the story. So our location in the story is between redemption coming out of Egypt There's this purification time, getting ready to go, and then the march of faith to Canaan. Okay, now there's a lot of danger in the wilderness, right? And route to the promised land. If you know the story, is God going to provide bread and water? Did God bring us out here to kill us? You know, there's these temptations to sexual immorality, and they give way to that. There's temptations to grumbling and complaining, they give way to that. There's dangers from enemies, There's all kinds of threats in the wilderness. So, what's God going to say to them after they've come out of Egypt? They've done some dumb things already at Mount Sinai. Oh, we put in our gold and out came this calf. Okay? They've already turned away from him and been idolatrous. So, what's God's disposition toward them? Remember, we're looking up into the face of God. What do we see? Point number two, we see love, actually. The Lord wants to bless these people. Okay, so as the people prepare to march, God wants to bless his people en route to the promised land. This is clear evidence of his love. So he's redeemed them in love. Listen to Deuteronomy 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, the Israelites. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he redeemed them in love. He's with them in love. Okay, his presence goes with them in the book of Numbers. Pillar of cloud by day, fire by night, the tabernacle is evidence of his presence with them. He's gonna go with them, and he wants to bless and protect them in route. Because he's leading them to the promised land, which is a land of blessing, milk and honey. That's like crazy dessert to them back then, okay? We just think, milk and honey, like, is that really good? Is that appealing? Did they not really want to go in? No, milk and honey was like, you know, pick your two favorite desserts and, and stick them in, flowing with, I don't know, whatever, mocha frappuccino and something else, okay? So... Um, So he's brought them out in love. He's with them in love. He's taking them to bless them in love. And we should see the character, the heart of God here for his people. This blessing is just this radiant reflection of his character where it's placed here. In this blessing, number six, do you notice the repetition of the name of God? Did you see that? Who is this that's blessing them? It's the Lord, four capital letters, which refers to his covenant name, Yahweh. Um, We don't know exactly how it was pronounced back then. Um, But Moses, remember, he's the mediator. In Exodus 33, he said, show me your glory. I want to know what you're like. I want to know who you are. I want to know you better. And the Lord responds by saying, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the lord so if you want to you want to see my glory i'm going to actually speak my name i'm going to tell you who i am so he hides him in the cleft of the rock and he passes by and here's what the lord says the lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the lord the lord passed before him and proclaimed the lord the lord yahweh yahweh a god merciful and gracious Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is love. He has loved them. He is loving them. He will love them. He has blessed them. He wants to bless them here in the wilderness. Okay, so as one commentator, Ron Allen, wrote, he said, Blessing is his idea, God's idea, his purpose. It's not something his people must beg for, but it is the outreaching of his grace. I wonder if that's in line with how you would describe God as you look up into his face. So what is this blessing? Point number three. We need to listen. We need to look. What is this blessing? First, I think we just need to stop for a second. I think we take this for granted. What in the world is a blessing? Have you ever thought about that? Is it a wish? Is it a request? Can we actually do something with these words? So... so I do this with Ben, you know, you've heard me give this blessing, use this blessing. Um, I do it at weddings, you know. Last night, I think, went in, you know, Ben put him in his bed, and he's sucking on his thumb, I put my hand on his head. Lord bless you and keep you, little buddy. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. What am I doing? Who am I talking to? Am I talking to the Lord or am I talking to Ben? Or am I just, is this just like, well, this is kind of what I want. I'm just going to throw it out there, whoever's listening. You know, some people give, say, blessings at special times of the year, maybe a birthday, special occasion. What are you doing? Is it just something traditional? Is it superstitious? Some people speak blessings and it's just superstitious. They have like magical something, you know. Maybe this is just this kind of primitive, ancient world and the power of words. You know, they thought that words had power back then, as if you could curse people just by saying things or bless people just by saying things. You know, we're so much smarter and more sophisticated than that. Words don't have magical power. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Our words do have power to build up and to tear down we actually, all of us, live under words that have been spoken over us. And for some of you, it's really painful. You'll never measure up. Can't you ever do anything right? I don't love you anymore. I'm in love with someone else. I'm sorry, I'm not interested. It's Curses. Or blessings, I love you. I'll never leave you. I will always be there for you. You are beautiful. Well done. I'm proud of you. So depending on who the person is, depending on what you've done and who you are, a blessing or a curse will have more or less power. Okay, so if, just think about it this way, simple example, if the father of an acquaintance politely says well done at your college graduation, it's totally different than your father, whom you've always wanted to please, who was a man of few words, and he says, well done, I'm so proud of you. Or on the other hand, if if some mentally unstable homeless person curses you in a parking lot, due to no fault of yours, it will likely roll off, right? But if your mother curses you, It's totally different. So speaking words of blessing is a recognition of the power of words, one. And what words we speak are a reflection of our hearts and desires for another. But see, Christian blessings are never just horizontal, right? They are prayers to God because He's the source of all blessings The Lord bless you. Lord, please pour out your blessing on this person. They are prayers. And they're intended to be heard by the one spoken over. You need to know that the Lord is the source of all those blessings. You need to know that I love you enough to bless you and want these good things for your life. So the person being blessed hears the love of the blessor and also hears who it is from whom all blessings flow. So, what is this blessing? Next point. Let's look at it again. The Lord speaks to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, here's what you need to say. Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they, the priests, Aaron and his sons, put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. They put the name on, I will bless them. So the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses speaks to the priests. Priests speak over the people. They were to bless. Look at the content of the blessing. There's three lines here, right? They get longer as they move along. You can see it in English as well as even clearer in Hebrew. Okay, it builds toward a crescendo. So grammatically, there's no need to repeat God's name three times. It's for emphasis, and the emphasis is meaningful. Here's what it means. Ready? This is like really, this is like a secret Hebrew, you know, I'm going to unlock the Bible code for you here. Ready? So it means that the Lord is the source of all their good and blessing. The Lord is the source of all their good and blessing. I don't know if you caught it. The Lord is the source of all their good and blessing. You just got to make sure you catch that and you don't miss it. So it's repeated three times. And remember, this is God's covenant name. The use of that name already means blessing for God's people. Revealed himself to Moses to redeem. Hey, who am I supposed to tell you? Or to tell them sent me? I am who I am. The self-existent one. Look down at verse 27. Once again, it's abundantly clear, so shall they, the priests, put my name upon the people of Israel. My name, I want my name to be on the people of Israel. And I will bless them. So the priests are only the messengers. The I, in verse 27, is emphatic. I will bless them. Okay, priests bless the people, but really Yahweh does the blessing. He fulfills the blessing desire there. So, it's interesting (laughs) that this blessing means that the name of Yahweh is put upon the people. Okay, a name on you implies... Identity and ownership, right? So these are Yahweh's people. They're His treasured possession. So whether we know it or not, we're all actually marked by what or who owns us. That's why actually in Revelation, um, it's kind of weird sometimes for us to think about what this means and what it's going to look like or whatever, but the mark of the beast is on the forehead of those who you know, reject the lamb, but then others in Revelation, God's saints, his people, have the name of God on their foreheads. Okay, so we're all going to be owned. We're going to belong to someone, whether this world or God. So three lines. Let's look at them briefly in turn. First line, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is the most general, kind of broadest blessing. It gets more specific as it goes along. The Lord bless you and keep you, keep meaning protect you, right? So here's the broad statement, and it gets unpacked as it goes along. Second line, the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. What's the relationship between grace and God's face? Well, a shining face is a smiling face, So a smile means approval and pleasure and acceptance and welcome. So have you ever thought before how significant a smile can be? Okay, I mean, smiles can be cheap. They can be fake and whatever. But they can be really, really significant. So, like, if you're a single guy and you catch a smile from the face of the right girl, it can make you come alive you start walking six inches off the ground. Or the frown, the rejection of that same girl could kill you, crush you. Okay? It happens when you face the approval, the praise in the face of one you love or admire or respect. You have that. It's just like you just drink it in. It's incredibly, you know, I don't know, energizing thing. So if you are a child or a student or an employee, the frown and disapproval and rejection and disappointment of those that you, you know, whose respect you care about, it can crush you. It can kill your spirit. It can deflate you, right? So how great of a blessing is it that you can have the smile of God? If you stop and think about it, the fear of Rejection or disapproval and the promise of praise and acceptance and approval with other people that you really care about drives you every day. It's such a powerful motivator and inhibitor. You're actually wired that way because you're supposed to live in the light of God's face. You're supposed to live for God's face. So, what could be better than God's smile? If God is for you, who could be against you? If God has justified or accepted you or approved of you, who can condemn you? See, we, we actually live as if other people's faces, what, what their face says is really, really big. It's a book along these lines. When people are big and God is small by Ed Welch. Highly recommend it. And God's approval and praise is really, really small. It actually needs to reverse God's Approval, praise, really, really big. And what people think, really, really small. Because they're really small. He's really big, okay? So, there's even more blessing here related to the face of God in the third line. Let's look at the third line here in verse 26. And we're reaching the crescendo as this, building, this blessing builds up. So the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What's the relationship with peace and God's face? For him to lift his countenance upon you is to pay attention to you. You want the Lord to pay attention to you? To look you in the eye? To keep His eye on you? I mean, if the Lord looks you in the eye, what do you think happens? If that could kind of happen and we could see it visibly, what would you do if the Lord lifted up His countenance upon you to focus His gaze on you? Would you try to hide from it? Would you cower? Would you cringe? What do you see when you look up to God's face? Would you feel ashamed? Would you want him to go away? Is God's omniscience a comfort or a threat to you? Well, the Lord here wants to give his people peace. And this is actually, believe it or not, the high point of the blessing. To feel the weight of it, I think we need to know what peace means here. It's not just like this, you know, peaceful, easy feeling. little shout out to the eagles. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, thank you. I saw that hand. Um, So anyway, it's not merely peace of mind or absence of warfare. It's not just a little peace and quiet after a long day. Those things are good, but the Bible's idea of peace, God's idea of peace, is so much deeper and wider than that. Peace peace is actually, it's more than just an emotion or a sentiment in this sense. The concept of peace, or shalom in Hebrew, okay, is one of holistic human flourishing. Okay, so peace is restoration of wholeness and well-being and harmony at every level. Bodily, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, interpersonally, societally. Because actually there's that peace has been torn apart at every level. Okay, so when we have cancer, our body's fighting against itself. It doesn't have peace. When we have a guilty conscience and we're stuffing it down there is not peace in our soul. We are by nature at war with God because we want to be God. Okay, so we won't have total peace and perfect harmony in every sense until Jesus comes back and makes everything new. But spiritual, mental, emotional, interpersonal peace can come by His grace even in the wilderness. Reconciled to God, through Jesus, at peace with ourselves, we know who we are. We know we're forgiven, we're cleansed. We know he's our father, he's with us, he's our shepherd, we shall not want. And then that peace starts to leak out horizontally as we make peace with others. We're peacemakers, just like our father. So, now it seems like the, maybe the most important question is, how does this blessing come? Point number one. Is it four? Yeah. How does the blessing come? And again, we're back to love. Okay, so for God's redeemed people, the Israelites, in number six, how did that blessing come? How did they hear it? Well, it came from Yahweh, obviously, because Yahweh told Moses, Moses would tell the priests. But it actually was mediated through the priests, right? The priests were the one that spoke the blessing over the people. Well, what about for us? How does the blessing of the Lord get spoken over our lives? How does the name of the Lord get placed on us? We need to remember the story. There's bad news before the good news. We need to realize we don't deserve this blessing. None of us does. This is not what we have earned. This is not what we deserve. Here's what we deserve. Here's what we deserve to hear from God, all of us. The Lord curse you and abandon you. The Lord reject and cast you off. The Lord turn his face away from you and forsake you. The Lord be against you and judge you and contempt and condemn you in his righteous wrath. The Lord turn his face away from you and leave you in your well-deserved angst and fear. So shall your rebellion and its effects be indelibly etched on your foreheads and he will curse you. That's what we deserve to hear. Because we've all done this by nature. So how in the world can this blessing come to those who have all cursed God in their hearts and wanted to be God in his place? Well, the blessing only comes through our great high priest, just like it came to them through the priests. It was mediated It comes to us in Jesus' name. It comes to us for Jesus' sake. Jesus actually bore that curse that we deserve so that we could hear something totally different. The Father actually turned His face away from Jesus. Jesus bore the curse on the cross so that God could turn His face toward us with mercy and favor and grace and acceptance and pleasure do you realize that that's what we deserve for i mean that is just the most terrifying thought in the world to have the only ultimate opinion that matters for god to turn his face from us and reject us forever no hope of appeal That's what we deserve. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. And it's all love. All this blessing comes through love. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus hung on the cross and bore the curse in our place for our sins. And he, you know, he heard at the baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And on the cross he father turned his face away and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. So he bore that curse for us so that we could hear the best blessing, so that we could receive the blessing. Okay, we actually need to receive this blessing. We need to receive it First-time conversion, and we need to continue to receive it. It's that smile that actually can empower us to continue to walk by faith through the wilderness under the blessing of God. Okay, so do you remember Isaiah in chapter 6? So he's the prophet. He had pronounced some woes on the rebellious people of Israel. And then when he sees the Lord, when he sees the Lord... Who does he say woe to? Himself. So receiving the blessing of the Lord actually is preceded by pronouncing the woe, the judgment on yourself. You, in fact, you either will pronounce that woe on yourself, recognizing what you deserve and your need for a Savior, and then you'll be blessed or God will pronounce it on you at the end. Those are your options. You can realize what you deserve in the curse and say, woe is me, I need atonement, I need a savior. And then he provides it in Christ and you're blessed. Or you can say, I don't need this. And you will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. So you will either bear the curse of God yourself or you will flee to the one who bore it for you. And Jesus hung on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And took that curse so that the blessing could be ours. Every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1.5, is ours in Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Paul says, blessed be the God and Father because he's blessed us. Jesus is our peace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Jesus is our peace, reconciling us to God, giving us a clean conscience, washing us from our sin and shame and making us new. So you remember how we started with location, where are we located in Numbers chapter 6? Where are we in the story? Well, now think about location again. Where are we in the story, you and me, as we live our lives? Well, guess What? We're in the wilderness. Life under the sun, en route to the promised land. We, we've been redeemed, right? From slavery to sin, but we're not home yet. And this world, it's like a wilderness. There's a lot of dangers in this world. World that's under the curse, still. The world's subjected to futility, still. It's a broken world. There's dangers from without. There's temptations and desires from within. We go through valleys of deepest shadows, threats of all sorts. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So just like the Israelites, there's lots of danger in the wilderness. And so what do we need? We need the blessing and protection of the Lord. Like how appropriate that that blessing is what I want to do. This is who I am. I'm the Lord. I want to bless you in the wilderness to the Israelites. And here he says to us, located in the wilderness in the story, in our part in the story, I want to bless you today. I want to keep you. I want to protect you. So we need to live and walk under this blessing, receiving it, listening to it. Okay sweet words God wants to speak over you over me this morning powerful words life changing words we so need God's grace and peace his blessing and protection as we continue to walk run the race that's set before us okay we need to walk in the light of his face it's the only way we're going to make it home so we've been justified if you're in Christ, you've been justified. There's no condemnation. God's already spoken this word of blessing over you. And out in the future, one day as you enter the promised land, you're going to hear another really good word. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, that's awesome. We live between those two points. In here, how do we live? By faith in the grace of God, His blessing and protection. And oh, how we need to hear it, receive it, believe it. Okay, we need to live under this blessing. So let me just quickly give a couple application points, thoughts, and then we're going to transition here to the table in just a few minutes. Okay, so what does it mean to live under this blessing? Okay, I want you to think of, of two texts. Isaiah six two says, This is the one to whom I will look. He is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. W- what's that all about? That's, that's, I, that's number six. L- lift up your countenance and give peace. Make your face shine and give grace. So this is the one to whom I will look. How do you you walk in the wilderness under the blessing of God? How do you live by the blessing of God? How do you draw down the grace of God? This is the one to whom I will look, turning my gracious gaze and pouring out my blessing and protection, the one who's humble and contrite and trembles at my word. Reverence, trembling, not you know, terrorized, trembling, which is another way of saying God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. So living in the light of His face, humbly, we are blessed by His grace and peace. We are kept by His love. Okay, this grace and peace comes as words spoken over our lives, as those words have their sway. God's words are bigger than the words of other people. Rather than being enslaved to what they think, we're slaves to what God thinks, and that's a happy slavery. When we believe His words rather than the lies and the deceit all around us. Okay, so think about the opening and closings of most of the New Testament letters. What what do the writers say? Grace and peace to you. And how do they typically close? Grace and peace be with you. God knows you're in the wilderness. God knows there's threats and dangers. God knows you need to be kept. And so He's given you so many words to listen to, to have spoken over your life. And you humbly drink those in rather than saying, well, yeah, but that's pride. You're, You're resisting His keeping blessing grace. So we humbly live under His words, receiving His grace and His peace to keep us by His blessing as we walk through the wilderness. So that's how we live under this blessing, one way. And then also we're actually given this blessing in order to give this blessing. That's another way we live under the blessing of God is we actually Drink it in and receive it, and we pour it out. Okay, so we are blessed to be a blessing. Flip to, uh, we're almost done here. Flip to Genesis 12. Why does God bless us like this? Well, He does it in love, obviously. But he doesn't do it just to have it terminate on us. Do you remember what he said to to Abram? And these words spoken over Abram changed the course of his life. Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? Why? so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. That's a way that the Lord keeps His people, is protecting them that way. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And then you have number six. And then now would you flip ahead to Psalm 67, which is the text that Tyler read earlier. How do we live under the blessing of God? We continue to receive humbly that grace and peace, and then we expect it to be pouring out through us to bless others. So Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us, And make his face to shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Blessed to be a blessing. Imagine pondering. just, Just think about this. Imagine if it's David that wrote this one. Imagine him pondering Genesis 12. And then pondering number six, and it turned into this psalm. (laughs) So he's saying, The Lord blessed Abraham in order to, that he would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And then, you know, they're in the wilderness, and he speaks this blessing over them to bless and protect them. Lord. Would you, would you do that in my generation? Would you, would you be gracious to us? This isn't a selfish prayer. Would you bless us and make your face to shine upon us so that your way would be known across the whole earth, that your saving power would be known among all the nations? Let the peoples praise you. We don't want to just keep you to ourselves here in Israel. We want the whole earth to know your blessing, your grace, and your peace because they're all under your curse if they don't know about your mercy and kindness and the fact that you can rescue and save them. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you. O God, let all the peoples praise you. God shall bless us. Verse seven, let all the ends of the earth fear him. So we listen to the voice of our God. We humbly receive His words of blessing, these promises of grace and care and provision and protection. Isn't it good to know that He's with us in the wilderness, that He's going to bless us and protect us, that He can provide for us, that He can guard us? We sung it in these songs earlier. He will hold me fast. Do you ever feel like your will is like a like a leaf in a hurricane? Do you ever like fear like, am I really gonna make it to the end? You see people crash and burn. Like Lord, I'm so glad You're gonna keep me in the wilderness. Please bless and protect me. Bless and protect my family, my friends. There's a lot of dangers in the wilderness, so we humbly receive and trust. Those gracious promises, and then we speak that blessing over other people as well. And we pray that blessing over other people as well so that they will be kept by the grace of God to the end. And, and just we're going to pray at the end of our service after communion for our teams that are being sent out. How appropriate is this? It's so cool. It's just like a little microcosm. We're all on mission, aren't we? <laughs> it's kind of hard. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of stuff to pull together. You've got to have like, good attitudes while you're doing this and you know, actually have you know, filled up to serve and bless and be ready for these conversations and be sacrificial and love each other and your team. And there's, you know, there's tension and all kinds of dynamics. Like We need grace and protection. Yeah, because we're in the wilderness and we're heading somewhere and we want other people to come with us. So we're going to pray for the teams and they're like a little microcosm of what all of us are doing, hopefully all the time, as we are on mission with Jesus to the end. And this table is so, so appropriate. So if the elders that are, the men they're going to be serving can come forward, I want to just have us think for a second about how appropriate this table is. Okay, you guys can just come on up. whenever we get to participate, get to participate in the table of the Lord. It's always a look back and a look ahead for the sake of faith in the present. So you might think that God just barely puts up with you because you've had a bad week and you've failed and stumbled again on that same thing that you, you've just been so prone to wander like we sung, come now found. And you need the blessing of this table, what it says, again, what it says is, the Lord redeemed you from slavery to sin. He rescued you, okay? And, so it looks back to the the Passover, the lamb slain in our place on the cross, the blood spilled so that there could be atonement made and we could be reconciled to God, and this table says, there's a wedding feast coming, can't wait to sit at the wedding feast of the Lamb. I want to make it there. Lord, please keep me. Help me. I want other people to be there with me. I want them to be rescued and redeemed from slavery. I want them to be at home with you. I want them to sit at the table with me. And man, it's hard in the wilderness. So isn't it cool that God gives us this tangible grace that says, I'm with you in the wilderness. If I did not spare my own son, but graciously gave him up for you all, how will I not also graciously give you everything you need in the wilderness to make it home? If I'm for you, you need any better proof in the cross? If I'm for you, who's going to be against you in the wilderness? Those giants, they're like ants compared to me. And I'll bring you home now to him who is able to keep you and to present you before his presence, before his face, the light of his face, with great joy, blameless. To him be all the glory because he's the keeping God, the blessing keeping God. So so as you eat and drink, listen to the gospel again. That's what this table is saying. It's speaking the blessing of number six over us in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love that you take rebellious people like us and you love to rescue us and redeem us. And you who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. And so as we are walking through the wilderness of this world, we are so glad that we have your blessing and grace and peace and protection because of Jesus. And so we celebrate that here at the table. We thank you for that. We need it. Speak this blessing over us as we, help us to ingest just like we should not just have, our, have your words kind of go in one ear and out the other, but we should eat your words and feed on them. Help us to really believe your promises and your gracious, peace-producing words. So we thank you for the cross. And I pray that you would strengthen us by your grace and keep us as a result of receiving your grace today and make us hungry for more. In Jesus' name, repent and trust in him and this blessing will be yours.